Um, so, my name's Dan. Um, I'm part of the youth group here. And uh, sometimes they let the youth group speak, which is really great. So I really, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's very sweet. Why don't we pray? Father, we ask that you would settle our hearts and that you'd really be with us here tonight as we consider these scriptures, consider the book of Titus, and uh, just wrapping up this particular study about this church in Crete. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, give us all insight, you'd speak to every one of us, you know our journey, uh, you know our whole story, and you know where we're up to today and uh, what we need for next week. So pray that you would help us uh, by your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are here with us and that you will speak to each of our hearts, um, quite apart from me. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in the book of Titus. Uh, so Titus, as I mentioned, relates to a church in Crete. So I think in some respects, Titus was kind of a, a right-hand man to Paul because you often see Titus mentioned in, you know, 1 Corinthians, I think Ephesians, a number of books. You know, Titus is going here, there and everywhere and doing all sorts of errands. And Paul took him to Crete and left him at Crete and to be in charge of this church. The church was pretty, you know, there's a pretty pretty uh, rough uh, group of people in many respects. Uh, the people on the island of Crete, uh, they, they were Jewish people. Uh, they were under sort of Roman rule and they weren't happy about it. And they were, they were you know, um, a little insubordinate, uh, a little wild. And we see some of that from uh, Titus chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, so now we're getting into some sort of very pastoral instructions in Titus chapter 3, and we're under the um, heading, uh, be ready for every good work. Uh, so Riley's going to help me put these verses up here. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Um, that is so well done. So, you know, one of the things that, um, so this is Paul's instructions to Titus to tell the church. So Paul's teaching his young, his young pastor there who's, who'd run into some difficulties and he's helping him out with these difficulties. So Paul's saying to Titus, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready for every good work. So, um, you know, remind them, well, who's the them? Well, I think we know from uh, the previous chapter uh, there was talk about, you know, older men uh, younger men, older women, younger women, the categories of people that he was addressing, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. So that was a bit countercultural because they didn't like being subject to the Roman authorities, uh, but they were told to be submissive to them um, and be obedient, ready for every good work. Um, and so this is sort of, a, I suppose, a call to humility uh, towards uh, all people particularly those in positions of authority. Um, and, you know, it's, it's well known that the, uh, the Cretans, the people of Crete, uh, did have difficult uh, character traits and um, a tendency towards insubordination. So that's being addressed and that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, and I think it's something probably for us all to hear about the importance of being uh, submissive to rulers and authorities. Um, you know, when we're driving the car, 
when we're, we're coming through Civic in the 40K zones, all of that, all the stuff that we have to do, um, it is actually all important. And, um, you know, there's something kind of self-governing in our heart because we're Christians that we don't need to be, you know, told all the time to obey the speed limit, uh, to obey the law, uh, because it's something that God's put in our heart that, hey, we will obey the law of the land. So um, it's good. It's a very good message for us today and to be ready for every good work. <coughs> it is a bit of a theme of this particular chapter, Good Works, because um, uh, one of the problems that this little group fell into was sort of a bit of uh, bickering and he said, hey, yeah, but um, I want you to focus on good work. Um, a friend of mine uh, is a manager of a large automotive uh, company in Australia, and you'd know it if I mentioned it. And uh, he, you know, he told me about you know he's managing all the difficulties in the organisation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, let's call it Holden. And uh, anyway, um, he said, "Yeah, look, we've got this side business of making cars as well." In other words, the thing that was consuming all the energy was you know kind of a lot of internal things, um, and not a great focus on what the actual product was. And it is very true, isn't it, that, you know, when an organisation is inwardly focused, it adversely affects the culture. Uh, but when we are focused on the mission or what the customer wants uh, or the, the call of the church, for example, that creates a positive culture. Uh, so uh, Paul will come back to this theme about telling the people to be ready for every good work. Uh, it's kind of his focus here. Um, he goes on. To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Wow. Um, you know, it's a, a sort of a distinctly Christian kindness he's talking about. Uh, the idea that we wouldn't speak, speak evil of no one. It's a pretty high bar. I'm not sure how well we do at that. Um, and, you know, maybe if there's someone who really challenges you at work, for example, you know, a challenging personality or in your family, and someone says, oh, Dan, how are you going with Brian? You know, there we go. Decision point right there. Brian, he's amazing. Um, and... It's a great uh, characteristic, isn't it, of speaking evil of no one. And it's so easy to fall into. And um, it can be like a like a trap we have where it's just our life's like, oh, yeah, Brian, like, he's no good. And then, nah, Sally over there, nah, she's bad too. Like it's just, it's it's the way of the world, uh, the way that, um, the way people talk. But um, uh, here this young pastor, Titus, is being told to tell his congregation to speak evil of no one. That's such a big call. Why don't we try that this week? Okay, it's a, it's a homework. That's hard. And so, um, you know, people come in next Sunday and there's like, I can tell your tongue's been bitten and all that sort of thing. I know, that's because you're doing your homework, speaking evil of no one. Um, to avoid quarrelling. Whoa. Uh, you know, and again, we've got to watch out for that, haven't we? Uh, that uh, we get in any fights with people, arguments, uh, often over very silly things, uh, we've got to really avoid that. And we kind of know that from, um, um, you know, maybe in, in a marital situation, uh, the things that, you know, 
upset people are the, the silly things. Uh, you know, should you squeeze the toothpaste this way or that way or, you know, you've, you've left your socks on the floor or something, you know. And it can lead to quarrelling and will lead to big quarrelling, big problems. Um, but um, let's avoid quarrelling. Let's see that. Let's just, like, you know, let me pray for that person, forgive that person and uh, you're not get into that. Because what Paul's saying here in kind of the arc of this chapter is, hey, guys, let's get out of all this stuff. Let's get out of the nonsense and let's think about what our really good works are and focus on that. What's our mission? So um, <coughs> to be gentle, uh, that's a big call. Gentle and then it kind of reminds us a little bit of Jesus in the Beatitudes. Why don't we, why don't we flick over the Beatitudes? I don't think anyone's got it. I mean, people might have it on their phones. Don't worry about it up there, Riley. Didn't give you any forewarning of this. But let's go to Matthew 5. People will have that handy. Um, being gentle. And, and another, when you look at the Greek in this, it uses the word meek. And meek is a very interesting word. Um, so when we read the Beatitudes, this is Jesus. He's our friend Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and sharing all these words with us tonight. Um, Jesus opened his mouth and taught them in Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Wow, that's amazing because they see kind of bad things like poor in spirit. What is that? Well, that means I have like nothing of value, um, but I'm relying on God. Wow. Um, blessed are those who mourn, like sad. If I'm sad, for a, for a reason, God will comfort me. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, it's a bit of an um, expression people may or may not have heard of this uh, talking about in the horse context, to meek a horse. I don't know if anyone's heard the phrase, to meek a horse, but it's to break a horse in. And, you know, when that horse is, is broken in and is um, running well, um, you know, behaving well, um, you know, with a rider, etc. well, that horse is lacking nothing. Uh, but that horse is, is, in a sense, subdued, submitted. And so um, when we see this reference to gentleness or meekness in Titus chapter 3, it's good to go back here and go directly to what Jesus was saying, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we, we sort of see, we're seeing a number of these, be gentle, um, um, uh, maybe don't quarrel type of things uh, here as well from Jesus. Um, verse 9 in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So um, th this has got to be picked up by the church in Crete. And this is Titus' task to do it. <coughs> so just going back to Titus. To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. That can be hard as well. Um, and, you know, sometimes in relationships, um, you know, if, if I'm, I'm a, of a particular group uh, and I'm saying, yeah, well, look, you know, we don't reckon they're any good. 
Um, and they're, they're, they'll be saying the same thing about us. There's a funny uh, thing in life, isn't there, that if I'm, um, you know, if I'm speaking bad about Hamish, for example, um, he'll be speaking bad about me. It's kind of the law of the, it's the law of the land. It's like a, it's like a waterbed. Uh, there's this sort of um, thing that happens that if I start denigrating someone, guess what? They'll be denigrating me. And if I build someone up, they'll build me up. So it's, um, it's, it's really valuable to show um, perfect courtesy towards all people. And generally, you will, you will be treated the same. Although, hold on a second, you will be persecuted for righteousness. I'm not saying you won't be. And, um, yeah, that's an important point to note as well. Um, and that's hard to take uh, sometimes if you're persecuted for righteousness. You're doing the right thing. You're saying the right thing. Uh, maybe going to church causes problems in your family. Maybe you've you know, shared the gospel and someone hasn't liked that. Or maybe, you know, someone's not talking to you at work because they know you're a Christian and they don't like that. And then, and then maybe you're daily persecuted at work. Well, um, Jesus says rejoice when you're persecuted. Uh, so that's, that's encouraging. If you, so we've got to believe that, that, hey, we should rejoice. Um, so we're told to avoid quarrelling, etc., to be gentle. But we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. So we've got some pretty strong language here. Um, things that come to mind out of this, you know, various passions and pleasures. You know, I think most people without Jesus chase something. They're chasing their next, you know, sporting championship or the next promotion um, or the next relationship. You know, people um, pursue things that are not God. There might be passions or pleasures because they're trying to fill that. But at the end of the day, nothing actually satisfies except Jesus. It's an amazing thing. And, you know, when we realise that, the happier we are. Um, talking about how we once passed our days in malice and envy. So this is probably some of the stuff we talked about a bit earlier. Malice and envy are very terrible things. Um, and if we are moving in malice and envy, then we'll be... We'll be hated by others. It's a little bit about what I was saying earlier, and hating one another. So, if you are in a situation in a family, in a workplace, in some setting where you're doing something that's, you know, uh, creating hate or someone's hating you, that's kind of big dynamic and pretty tough stuff to work with. Um, and it's, it's something we definitely need need God to help us with. Something we need relief from. It's all about the fallen nature. That's what we're seeing here. Some of the worst aspects of fallen nature. And sometimes that fallen nature is actually not that far away from us. We can fall back into it. We're like, oh, wow, I shouldn't be envious of that person. I shouldn't have said that about that person. I shouldn't have rejoiced when they tripped up. Uh, that, was, that was malicious of me. Or I shouldn't have perhaps excluded them from that conversation, um, which made me happy at the time. That was actually malicious. And so sometimes we go, oh, wow, actually, I need to kind of just step out of that. That's, that's my past life. That's not my life now. Um, so we were all once in that fallen nature. And, we, and, we, and how do we get rescued from this? Um, the, 
it goes on to say that, you know, and I, probably before we go to the next verse, that all these, you know, the feuding and the quarrelling uh, animosities, um, you know, they're all very, very unhealthy. And then in verse 4, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. And I just want to probably focus on that is goodness and kindness, the kind of keys, key ways to combat malice or unkindness um, uh, or any hatred that you might have to deal with to um, say, Lord, would you help me uh, be kind to this brother? Can you, like I know he's just really hurt me, um, but can you help me find a way to be kind to him? Would you give me a way? And, um, you know, there's, a, there's uh, that beautiful verse in Proverbs that says that when you are kind to your enemy, it's like heaping burning coals upon their head. And I think what that means is that that's about, um, uh, you know, melting uh, silver, I think, or melting something. So it's basically saying you melt the resistance of that person towards you when you're kind. Um, so the goodness and loving kindness of God uh, is an antidote to the, uh, the quarrelling and the, the hatred. And so, yeah, that's, that's another practical thing for us to think through. Okay, who can I really be kind to this week who's so on my nerves? Uh, and I might like to get back at them, but uh, if there's a way to be kind, um, I'm believing that I can leave that to God. He'll do something amazing with that person. When the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Saviour, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. I think it's a, an important thing, isn't it, that the, um, not because of works, so going to church, reading your Bible, um, helping, you know, helping an older gentleman across the road, all of these sort of things, they're all legitimate good works, to be encouraged, but we don't get saved by that, those, those things that we do that are righteous things to do. Um, but we are saved by God's mercy uh, and it's a beautiful image. There's nothing that we can do to be saved, but he moves towards us with his mercy. By the washing of regeneration, and that appears to apply to the washing of the water of the word, so God washes us, he washes our soul uh, with the word of God, with his love for us. And renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour. It's a fascinating concept, isn't it, that Jesus said at the end of his time here on earth, he said that it's good that I go so that the Holy Spirit could be with you. Uh, that's good, that's a good thing. Like, really? Oh, we'd rather have you here with us, Jesus. No, it's good that I go so the Holy Spirit can come. And so the renewal of the Holy Spirit uh, is something beautiful, something we should seek for, ask for regularly, that he would, uh, we would experience that renewal uh, in our own personal lives and obviously uh, in our church, whom he, whom he poured on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour. So you are rich. No matter what your bank account, you are rich because... Uh, you have had this, um, the Holy Spirit poured on you through Jesus Christ our Saviour. What a great um, image poured on you. 
so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Um, there's a great hope in eternal life. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, um, you know, we know when we die, we'll, we'll, we'll have eternal life. But there's also a great hope in it. Um, and I, I shared this, I think, last week when I spoke briefly. My mother is at the end, you know, towards the end of her life. And I said to her, Mum, when it's time to go, um, this is going to be great. Um, there will be no pain, no fear. You'll be going to see Jesus, um, you know, Bill, her husband, and your mum. And, you know, Mum, nothing to worry about. She goes, oh, that's, that's just so lovely. Thank you. That's the hope of eternal life. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, so, um, yeah, just great to know, hey, no matter what we're involved in, if it's giving or, you know, uh, running um, some aspect of the church, it's not by those works that we're saved, but by the mercy of God. Um, <clears throat> and then we come back to this good works point. The saying is trustworthy. Sorry, we're all good. Um, this, the verse 8, is that okay? Awesome. So well done. Good technology. The saying is trustworthy, and I want, I want to insist on these things um, so that those who believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. It's, a, it's an interesting turn of phrase from Paul. Um, I, want, I want you, Titus, to insist on these things in the church. So in his particular sphere of influence, which was the church, he's like, hey, I'm telling you this stuff. Get, get these people out of quarrelling, get, get this, um, um, you know, any envy, hatred out, insist on it. That's quite an interesting um, message for all of us, isn't it? Because we all have some sphere of influence. There are all people who we are influencing and that perhaps there's a conversation that we should have that will, um, you know, perhaps reset something or make a slight shift in a relationship. Paul's saying to Titus, hey, this stuff's important. Uh, I want you to insist on it. So that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Uh, these things are excellent and profitable for people. So we've got the way forward here for this church that was sort of had these problems. Um, let's think about um, devoting to good works. Um, and I think this... Um, It's interesting, we, we could even go back to have a look at the Beatitudes on this topic of good works. Um, Jesus said this, he said, and, and we're at uh, Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall, it be, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So what's Jesus saying to us? That there's a, and this connects with good works, there's a saltiness to you, there's a difference to you. There's a, a way in which you uh, change the flavour of your community, of your, your university, because you're salty and God wants you to be salty. And when salt loses its flavour, it's often because it gets wet, because it gets absorbed into the environment around it. The environment can actually 
destroy salt and make it less salty. So um, let's not lose our saltiness. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So there's something here about visibility that, um, you know, Jesus saying, you are, you're, you're the light of the world. You're, you're like a city on a hill. Like he doesn't want us hidden. So uh, he doesn't want us uh, unknown uh, as Christians in the environment that we work in, live in, study in. Um, but uh, he wants that light to be evident. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So um, devoting yourself to good works, Jesus is saying, um, let others see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That's like the, the unbelievers. They say, wow, there's something different about you. Um, you know, I know you, you're, you're one, of the, um, one of the engineers on the, on the snowy 2.0 scheme, you know, with your, your fluoro vests and your boots and your ute, but I recognise something different about you. What is it? Um, and that's often our saltiness or it's the light that we shine. It's our visibility as Christians. Uh, maybe we pull out a Bible. Maybe we're seen to read a New Testament. Uh, and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're good works. They give glory to your Father in heaven. So... Um, Back here. Oh, wow. Verse 9, we've got more problems. Oh, my goodness. I thought we'd done with this. <clears throat> but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions and quarrels about the law. For they are, they are unprofitable and work, worthless. So I think we saw quarrels in an earlier verse. Um, you know, it was a problem for these people. It's interesting, isn't it, that... Um, uh, dissensions, quarrels about the law. Um, in the particular Christian organisation I work in, we have got Christians from pretty much every, you know, every sort of end of the spectrum. You know, we have um, uh, Coptic Orthodox, uh, we've got Charismatic, we've got Reform, we've got Anglican. Um, from time to time we have Catholic people. We work closely with Catholic people. and But we're, we're all about Jesus. You'll never hear any bickering or any... Um, um, discussion about things that might divide because the truth is most of those things that we disagree on are kind of like about the about the five percent you know whether it's you know baptism or um, you know different things like that we, we won't discuss that stuff because it's only um, it's unprofitable um, it's worthless and so um, we'll never have a dissension on that basis um, which is great and, and you know Sometimes these controversies, you might be, you know, like, you know, it is easy to discuss theology um, and, and, you know, some sort of inner question, inside baseball, I would call it. Um, it's easier to do that than to be kind and considerate to someone um, or to be, you know, efficient or diligent or honest at work. Like, that's kind of the bigger picture uh, that, um, you know, a lot of these other things can be trifling and 
if we find we're getting into trifling things, like, hey, you just back away, forget it. Um, okay, verse 10. There's still more problems at the church of Crete. I thought we were done. Uh, these pe- people are hard work. Um, as for a person who stirs up division, I think, is that the translation? Yeah. Um, as for the person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he's self-condemned. Wow. So, you know, Paul's obviously talking to Titus, his young pastor, saying, hey, if anyone, like, tries to divide the church, um, warn them once, twice, and then have nothing to do with them. And um, mercifully, we don't have any of those sort of problems. Um, but I suppose we have to watch out for it in ourselves and, um, and watch out for it in other people. Um, and... You know, if we feel like, ooh, man, my conversation's going a little bit uh, off track there, that feels a bit divisive or a bit gossipy or a bit undermining. I'm like, nah, not doing that. Forget it. Um, and, you know, or if, if someone approaches it with something like that, like, hey, I don't think we should be having that sort of conversation. Um, and that's usually enough to prick people's conscience. Oh, yeah, absolutely, you're right. Um, so, yeah. It's very interesting. Um, and then let's go to final instructions and greetings. Verse 12. When I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to be at Nicopolis, for I've decided to spend the winter there. And then in verse 13, it says, Do your best to speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way, seeing they lack nothing. I think the mention of these individuals, it just shows that Paul was living a real life as a real human with real friends, real people that he was um, relating to, contacting, real people, people that he was caring for. So it might be a little bit like, hey, you know, um, you know, Jackson's on uh, set up tonight um, and, um, you know, uh, Riley's doing the, the, uh, the, the sound, you know, who's doing this, who's doing that. That's, that's all part of this. And we're seeing Paul. Um, it's like, okay, well, um, these first two people, um, Artemis, um, Zenus and Apollos, I think had actually bought this letter, the letter of Titus, but send them on the way, make sure they've got everything they need. So he's caring for these people um, and he's, uh, he's a real man dealing with these real issues. Um, and so it is the... You know, as a Christian church, it's our responsibility to support people uh, who are uh, working uh, for the gospel. And then we end up with this verse, the last verse in Titus, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. And so I think for the third time we're back at this idea of good works. Uh, let's have an outward focus. Think about what is our mission. Let's get on with it. What does God want us to do? Um, and uh, so that we won't be unfruitful. Um, Matthew Henry uh, summarizes all of this and he says this um, that this is about, this book or this chapter is about obedience to magistrates, they were the leaders of the time, becoming behavior towards all. Uh, and um, in really changing from what believers were before their conversion 
uh, and who they are made through Christ. Uh, there's good work to be done and useless disputes to be avoided. And so, wow, what a, what a strong pastoral letter. What a great uh, letter that is to um, straighten out things that weren't right in Crete. And I hope we can take some heart from that uh, as we may be dealing with difficult people. <clears throat> we may find that we um, have a tendency to gossip or to, you know, say unhelpful things, to say um, evil things about other people. Um, this is a great sort of um, uh, word for us all. And um, so did you want to remember what our homework is? It's in here somewhere. Uh, if Riley is clever, she might be able to go back and find our homework here in verse 2. <clears throat> Perfect. To speak evil of no one. That is going to be so hard, okay? I don't think, I'm not pretending that's going to be easy, but this is our challenge this week. Go in mid-sentence, bite your tongue. Good stuff, we're doing it. So um, God bless you all. Uh, that is uh, the end of that pastoral letter uh, from Titus. Um, but I want to just tell you, it's a lovely privilege here. And I'm so glad at this church that they do yet let uh, youth group leaders speak from time to time. So thank you. God bless you all.